Welcome to the RPGPod.news. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Campstra. Hi, everybody. And Ash Eli. Well met, travelers. And tonight we have a special guest with us, Evan Moscato. Hello. You probably know me online as Monkey DM, and it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, awesome. So, Tyler, what is happening? Well, I'm very excited to have Evan on today. Um, so people probably better know Evan as Monkey DM online. And we're excited to talk about Steinhard's Guide to the Eldritch Hunt, which uh, Evan kickstarted sometime last year, a little over a year ago at this point. Massively, massively successful. Evan is already a, a thriving third-party creator with a ton of content available. Um, so we're going to dig into Steinhardt today, talk about the themes, talk about what's in it, um, just get a general rundown on what's cool in the book and what people can be excited about. All right. Uh, I assume it's my turn to talk now. Oh, yeah, please. So, <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, Steinhardt's Guide to the Elder Trent is basically gothic horror meets Lovecraftian horror in D&D. That's the best way to describe it. So you've got madness, you've got body horror, you've got all sorts of beautiful things that you should not probably show to kids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and... And apparently people like that as we got over 20,000 backers on the Kickstarter. And then now later on in the pre-orders still, we got over 10,000 orders. So the book has been incredibly successful. It's, uh, it's very humbling to see the amount of support we got on it. So that was a very surreal experience when it happened for sure. Uh, could not believe it myself. <laughs> Even uh, <laughs> It was like the permanent refreshing of like, is this, is this correct? Like, is this a on my computer tapping the screen? Just... <laughs> Uh, so that was a uh, that was something, but uh, yeah, and that was uh, the Kickstarter, I believe, ended on the 22 of August last year. So yeah, it's been just about a year now that uh, that uh, it's been funded, and uh, all the book is pretty much written at this point. And uh, now we're doing the mass printing, and then we get to shipping. Very exciting. Yeah, I feel like you didn't say this number aloud. So 2.7 million through Kickstarter raising. Is that right? U.S. dollars. Uh, yeah, 2.7 million on Kickstarter and like about another 1.3 million on Backerkit. So I think total it's about 4 million. Yeah, that's insane. That's that's both awesome and insane. That's fantastic. <laughs> it, it is absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah. With the caveat, uh, I just want to like quick caveat, like the, the Kickstarter money, uh, sorry, the funds on Backerkit, like some of it is for the shipping as well. Mm -hmm. Like it's not all... Uh, like, <laughs> that makes sense. That. I wish I wish we would, but we don't keep all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Shipping, <laughs> printing, production costs, all those and things. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been, yeah, a, it's been a crazy run. Yeah, Tyler yeah. and I did a uh, seminar where they were walking through, like, you know, here's everything it takes to do a Kickstarter. And, it, and it's probably worth highlighting, like, putting together the book, hiring artists, like, everything that you have to do to ultimately put this together. Yeah, Evan's not retiring this year. Like, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. <laughs> you know? I wish I would, but yeah, yeah. no, that is, yeah. that is not happening. And and in my defense, I also make daily content for a living, which is pretty cool. So I don't really want to retire. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I get That's a good that. Thing. No, ab absolutely. Uh, so. Right. You'll see folks refer to the book as Soulsborne-inspired, Cthulhu-inspired. Uh, what are some of the content from these genres that are going to be recognizable to somebody playing or, you know, opening the book, flipping the pages, playing the game? As in content from Soulsborne that is recognizable or content from Lovecraft? Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Well, uh, I think, like, the Lovecraft aspect is uh, the most obvious one, I think, to find is the whole madness 
uh, be it in conditions that affect players, be it short, long-term or very long-term, as in you never get rid of it, or uh, you have Lunar Madness, which is uh, effects which shape the entire world and just completely switch how the world is interacted with. For example, we have one of the moons, puts the ocean in the sky, uh, this sort of thing. Wow. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> if you haven't read it yet, <laughs> yeah. I, I like that one. <laughs> so, uh, and it changes how like the party travels, it changes how uh, it gives the monsters new abilities, and uh, it interacts with the madness aspect of it uh, and gives new ability. For example, on that particular moon, you have tendencies to become it's called more fishy in the sense of becoming a literal fish, uh, becoming moist, I suppose, is the, the best term to describe it, however awful it sounds. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, pretty awful. Don't like that. Don't like that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's the Lovecraft aspect. And then, like, the, the Soulsborne aspect, I suppose, is uh, it's a dark world. It's messed up. It is... It was once great, but has since fallen from glory. I think those are like some big key points. And you get to kill gods eventually, so that's that's pretty fun. I mean, you know, if you survive, which is another, <laughs> let's call it another part of the Soulsborne aspect, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so I, I guarantee you the opportunity to fight gods. I do not guarantee you the opportunity to kill gods. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean... The Soulsborne inspiration is pretty obvious from the get-go with fra- the cover art looks like a certain monster from Bloodborne known as a cleric beast. Yeah, so I got that a lot. Uh, and I'll show people the sketch of the monster because basically we have this monster in multiple positions. Uh, we asked the artist to make it and this was the coolest one. Yeah. And so we're like, oh yeah, like it's, let's, let's use this one. It's amazing. Let's, let's do it, you know? Right. And then like I saw like the comments and then I was like, I went and I like Googled the monster again because it's been a minute since I played Bloodborne and I was like, I, I can see why people are saying that. I can see it. Like, and and uh, there's like two more pieces of art in the book, uh, notably uh, like in the Fallen Hunters section, uh, which are, uh, well, let's call it another Bloodborne aspect of people who have fallen to corruption. And uh, one of them looks particularly like Ludwig. So we had to alter the art because I was like, no, this looks way too much. And in my defense, I just, I bought the art. I didn't like commission it. It's just, I was like, this would go so well on the book. And it was from one of the artists we were already uh, hiring and they sold us the rights. And I was like, this is so great, but can you make like some modifications? So like, you know, we don't get sued or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably we won't, but you know, like that, that, uh, that particular one. Yeah. I think you're probably fine, fine. From Software is not a notoriously litigious group so <laughs> cool. uh, yeah first of all like they're very fine and uh there's been way more egregious out there oh yeah yeah for sure we're fine, and, so uh, but it's definitely inspired by it yeah for sure like i can't deny that. yeah and to be clear i'm not like accusing you anybody of like you know stealing like i just like it i think it looks really cool the art in this book is amazing so if nothing oh, yeah, else we, we... Get the book for the art because it's some <laughs> oh, of yeah. the it's some of the coolest art for any indie printed book I've ever seen. Like it's really good. So um, I I will say this: uh, get the book and the art book. You'll do me a favor. Oh, you're doing. <laughs> oh, you're, you're selling an art book too. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I might have to get that. Because <laughs> uh, we we had a lot of people. Uh, well, uh, just send me a, a message after the the podcast. I'll uh, I'll send you like the PDF of it at least. Oh, Ooh, it's kind of done. we would love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had a, a lot of art, a lot of amazing artists, and basically once we saw the budget we were working with. I was like, well, 
let's just get even more of it you know so like we hired even more artists <laughs> like more art more there's uh yeah it's like the art book itself i think is 200 something pages Whoa. so there's a lot wow. of art in the book oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's huge. you made you made a good decision with that money <laughs> <laughs> And, and it really is beautiful. I do want to say, though, like, not just the art. Also, the words are pretty good, too. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> no, so w- one of the things that I want to call out, and, and it's it's a subtle thing. I don't know if it's going to be celebrated as the book comes out. Finally, some good diseases. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Five E's support a- for diseases is pretty notoriously bad. So it's good to see someone actually doing something there. I mean... The thing is, is how 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 can you make good diseases when uh, cleric can just cast lesser restoration on you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, and, and that still it still works in the book. But at least having the opportunity for having uh, resource attrition is mm-hmm. is fantastic. If you were in a dungeon and you're crawling, you don't have an opportunity for taking long rest. Being able to make that decision of do I ride this disease a little longer? Do I take the risk, or do we burn the resource? I think can be a lot of fun, especially if you are running the session where it is gritty and, and the players really do have to worry about like, I'm, I'm going to run out of spell slots. Uh, the yeah. other thing I'll say for it is it's not super punitive, you know, a D12, excuse me, a, a, a DC 12 constitution check to see if you even get the disease. It isn't going to be this constant, like I got another disease guys. What are we going to do? <laughs> uh, but it'll happen often enough to keep it interesting uh so a, a small little celebration but i i read that and i'm like this is great i Thank like you. this a lot appreciate it yeah i, I made those i uh, i like them it's uh, actually diseases i used against my players myself so nice. some of them nice. uh yeah some of them in, the ga- uh, in game right uh yes <laughs> Very much so. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) No, but actually, that's a a nice tie-in to something I didn't say about earlier. Uh, Yeah, the setting itself, like for Steinhardt, is definitely low magic, low low power overall. There's two things. One of them is like give players the ability to be epic in the sense of like they change the they shape the world. And also, it makes it so that diseases are actually deadly, because if everybody and their mother can cast lesser restoration, then, you know, like, you're not that afraid of diseases. Now, if there's, like, two clerics in the whole district that are fighting for resources, all of a sudden, it's, you know, you'll have, like, plagues sweeping, and the, the, the plague that's sweeping through the city is a big theme of it, right? So, so yeah, that was definitely intentional. Yeah, no, I think it's extremely well done. That is, a, that is an interesting... Um approach i i want to ask you how, how do you recommend dms run this in a low magic setting with 5e's emphasis on like everybody has spells sort of thing because um that is a struggle that i have run into when i've tried to do low magic settings did you find that it that was that was hard to build around or so in my own games uh it's not uh, included in the book but i will release a small uh but it will be included in like the cheat book which is like to help you run the game uh but it's not in the book directly because it's literally just gym advice so i didn't feel like it uh, belonged there yeah, yeah, yeah. uh what i do in my own games is uh something one of my friends actually introduced which is uh making long rest harder and by that it means you need like shelter you need warmth and you need comfort to be able mm. to get your long rest and you also get the limits on the number of short rest that you can get so you can get your short rest and it takes you like your hour uh but if like we make it two or three and then after that like you absolutely needed shelter you need food and you need warmth so either you stay in like a very specific area and the idea with tine hearts is there's a lot of time crunches 
So let's say, for example, you decide to take, you know, to go back to the church or to go back to a sanctuary where you can actually rest. Your long rest is like eight hours, but now you're behind, for example, if you need to go somewhere, perhaps the plague has spread further. Perhaps now imported NPCs have died because the beasts that were encroaching on them are gone away. So it's basically now you have like this tension in between, do I rest? And those people die, or is this bad thing happen, or do we keep going on low resources? And that's how we usually run it. I see, I see. Yeah, so really using those time crunches to drive resource attrition. And it drives the adventure forward as well, which is something I like. Because sometimes players, they kind of like, and they <laughs> burp around, let's say, or they, they just don't know what to do. They don't want to, so like if there's always like something like an escalating conflict somewhere, not all the time, of course, like you need to have moments of rest. But if there's always something bigger coming up, they feel the need to get moving because otherwise they're like, we're going to... For example, we had like, a, I'll give you a good example. There was, um, in the book actually it's written, like a, in one of the districts there's an aqueduct, uh, so which is also used as a water filtration system. So it's needed to both water the plants uh, of, the, of the vertical farms of the city and, you know, people need to drink to survive. This has been taken over by beasts, right? And I, I told my, and my parents were like, oh, you know, like, we don't really want to go there because like they just came out of a mission. And I was like, cool. But you know what might happen? Like if people, you, you don't give people water for a long enough time. So, <laughs> yeah. so they knew that and they were like, okay, well, I guess a short rest and then we go. Yeah, and, and, you know, and they skipped the long rest and it was tough for them. One of them died, but they did end up saving the people. So, you know. Okay, so worth it. So frequent resource attrition, time pressure, difficult choices around that time pressure. Yeah, I think that, I think that would really work to maintain the tone here. Yeah, yeah, and also something we do, I tend to do in my games. I, I know people are not keen on banning stuff mm. in games, but a spell I usually tend to either make harder to get or not get at all is Leoman's Tiny Hut, because that is usually a spell <laughs> yeah. that people tend to spam to get their long rest, or, or you remove the ritual tag on it, and uh, this way it becomes a resource to use. But then again, it's, those types of setting work well, uh, mostly at lower levels, if you want to put like the, the more gothic em emphasis, if you want to put more the Lovecraft, then you and, and the Lovecraft in a sense, because Lovecraft is how puny you are compared to the rest of the universe. Uh, but when players tend to get to higher levels, then they tend to be able to kill gods. Literally, one of the adventures in the book is to go kill a god. And then like you just throw them in a nightmare realm, you just throw everything at them, reality is shifting around them, there's a constant blither, they, they have to save against exhaustion, and you just don't hold anything back and then yeah that's that's how i would run those <laughs> nice so i feel like we've talked a lot about ways that we can torture our players uh, and we love that on the rpgbot.podcast <laughs> obviously i i think now's a good time though let's talk a little bit about the player options in the book yeah what's yes. there for the players well in a in a twisted and messed up setting uh, it is only fair that players have access to twisted and messed up options so you've got everything from uh, the one you reviewed the druid a circle of symbiosis which is uh symbiosis I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it i think either uh, <laughs> i think either are correct yeah okay either. well perfect i've heard it both ways <laughs> okay i'll circle de la symbiose there you go and uh, <laughs> and uh yeah so this one for example uh was because I, I had this idea of people wanting to be one with nature because I was uh, discussing with some of the other writers in the book and mostly Aggie from the Tavern, who's a really good friend. And uh, we're like, yeah, we, we need like something, you know, like a bit different from the urban theme. And we're like, nature, nature is good. And I was like, yeah, people who are one with nature. And I was like, 
how about we take this literally <laughs> and they, they chop off their limbs to replace them with natural parts that they're one with nature and it's symbiosis and uh, and the whole druid is based around that you have a uh, bone magic like in osteomancy where you can crack people's bone break their skulls have spikes come out of the ground like a lot of very fun stuff cages my, one of my favorites uh, which is uh, well you have like the maiden of bones mm -hmm which was renamed from Bone Maiden because people on the internet have it to remind. So. <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, I literally, like, I released yeah. the first, right. uh, just let, let this be known, like, this way I'll be in a podcast for me. I'll be great. So one of the, my favorite spell, which was, which is now called Maiden of Bones. First time it came out in the first playtest of Steinhardt, Bone Maiden. And uh, all the comments I got under this update on Kickstarter were like, yeah, I feel like the name Bone Maiden is a bit inappropriate uh, because it, it gives me the impression I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I cannot believe it. It didn't even occur in my mind yeah. when I when I read it. It's just because there's this thing called the Iron Maiden, yeah. which is uh, what the Bone Maiden is based on. So I was like, I'll just replace Iron with Bone, and that'll be that. And people on the internet were like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, totally what we read. Get your minds out of the how's gutters, bone guys. Come on. Yeah. How uh, is Bone Maiden not on the Bard's felt list? That's all I'm wondering. <laughs> because now it's called Maiden of Bones. Yeah. So wow. it changes everything. Uh, <laughs> just and, uh, just going to go for the low-hanging Bard fruit there. The Bard can handle it. It's fine. <laughs> I think it's it's worth talking a little bit about this circle of symbiosis. So Tyler, you've actually done a review. Mm -hmm. The review for that, uh, I say review. You've you've done a breakdown. Yeah. This is on the site right now. Yeah. So we have a class. Hand uh, sorry, we have an optimization handbook for the subclass. And circle of symbiosis is a really fun take on the druid. Like you said, Evan. Like you chop off your limbs, you replace them with natural parts. Like there's some fun decision points within the subclass. It really builds the druid to be a frontline durable melee threat in a way that we haven't really seen done successfully circle of spores was a really good attempt but it's really complicated to play the action economy is really hard optimizing it can be really difficult and the druid has some built-in durability challenges that it doesn't perfectly solve but circle of symbiosis gives you like this really cool regen mechanic it gives you a, a simple ac solution so that you don't have to you don't have to struggle through bark skin essentially but you just get it for free and it works so the whole thing like it it looks very satisfying to play it's very satisfying fine to build and optimize and there's some really cool combos just uh like just with the srd druid options and the core druid features and the subclass and then the really cool osteomancy spells mixed in there just like the whole thing just works so well and it it's it's just really fun i'm really excited about it yeah i mean one great thing that if you're if you're a player this is get this book because there's um there's a lot of options in here. There's a there's at least one subclass for every class in this book. Plus, you've added multiple to some of them, like rogue and mm -hmm. there was a fighter and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're not going to be uh, lacking in choices for player options in this book. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, we're actually currently going to record a uh, Steinhardt's campaign where I'll be jamming. And uh, because there are so many options in the book, I told my players, I'm like, either you take from PHP Xanathar 
and Steinhardt and nothing else. And they all took from Steinhardt. Nice. So I am a very happy GM <laughs> and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. The point, like, especially like the classes that have multiple subclasses, I, I try to do like very different things for them. For example, the rogue, one of them is shadow. The other one is light is a uh, hand of the church, very much uh, more noble. The other one, skulls and shadow disappears within them, which is a concept I'm very surprised uh, has not been made by WotC so far. That, that was one of the, like a, a shadow rogue. You, you'd think that, you know, like the, con- like, it's not, it writes itself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like it really does. It's uh, it's kind of like a devil sorcerer. Like I, it, it, that doesn't exist. I don't understand why. <laughs> anyway, so that was that, and then the ranger also because I really like the ranger. It was a bit lackluster at some point. Now it's better. Uh, so I, I wrote like two subclasses for it. So yeah, that that was a lot of fun to do. I uh, I played play tested every single one of them. They're all very fun. So. That, that was my, my benchmark is like, that, does it feel good to play? Is it fun to play? And if the answer was yes, then I'm like, okay, we keep it. It is worth throwing in here, uh, mainly just for Tyler, because uh, I, I don't know, Evan, are you familiar with how Tyler feels about spiders? <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to guess from what you're saying, not super great. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't love them. He's yeah. never kept one as a pet, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, me neither, Tyler, so that makes two of us. All right. <laughs> he either loves them or he hates them when you bring up... when If you if you bring up spiders in specific, it would be either he loves them or he hates them. <laughs> no, I, I specifically always hate them. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I... I've seen a lot of horror content, like horror games, horror supplements, all those, and a lot of spiders, because people are scared of spiders, because why wouldn't you be? Um, so it, it spiders are like the horror crutch. It's like, ah, I want to make this spooky. Just more spiders. No, Steinhardt's the only thing I found in the entire book spider-related. There is essentially a, a half-spider race option. And like even the art piece for it, I looked at it and was like, that's spider-themed, not in a way that makes me unsettled, but it's really cool. Like, so I, I appreciate you, you not just filling the thing with spiders. Thank you. <laughs> have you checked out the monster section because there's one art in there of a spider-like monster that i'm not sure it's exactly you know <laughs> i i thumbed through it uh i i may it, don't, don't worry tyler you're gonna meet that spider very soon oh, no it's fine no no worries it's uh, i swear the art is is really nice and uh and friendly there's nothing scary there oh good uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm currently running a game for tyler he's gonna meet that spider oh lovely yeah it's uh yeah Oh man, Tyler, you're gonna have a bad time when you reach the Underdark in Baldur's Gate three. That's all I'm telling you. Yeah, <laughs> I will. So I'll burn that bridge to the ground when I get there. <laughs> Are you also tired of one size fits all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. 
Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. To go to a happier moment, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Jaeger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm... So just quick rundown for people not familiar, people who haven't picked up the book yet. So the the Jaeger is a full standalone class and is based very heavily in those Soulsborne mechanics. Um, so among the things you can do, uh, dual wield great swords. Uh, there's a lot of like parry mechanics and uh, dodge rolling. So like those those core gameplay things that you're going to do in combat in Soulsborne style games are represented very, very well here. The class looks like a ton of fun to play. I I'm eyeballing it for an optimization handbook. Cause like th- there's a lot of fun to be had here. There's a lot of cool things you can do with it. So, so Evan, I, I would love to hear more about how this class came about. All right. So uh, I, I will not be taking much credit for the Jaeger. I had the concept <laughs> in mind in the sense that uh, I've played all the Soulsborne games and I was like, okay, the Bloodborne Hunter feels like it would be right at home in the setting. So let's try to make something that would uh, work, but still feels like a D&D class, you know? And uh, what I really wanted was parry, dodge rolls, uh, like you just mentioned. So I came to a friend of mine, Kibble Stasty, which is another creator for D&D, who specializes in classes. And I told him, hey, I have this concept. I don't have time to make it. Uh, you're very good at making classes. I've read a lot of your classes. And I was like, Do you, would you mind you know, helping me on that or, or doing? And he did most of the work, honestly, like, I, I'd, I'd give him 95% of the credit, but I, uh, he just like came to me with the ideas. We, I, I approved or, or said no on some. And what I did mostly behind it was just rebalancing after playtesting, get more, uh, especially like a couple of the finishers. Uh, we Even now, like two weeks ago, I think we, we rolled a, a new update because uh, one of the finishers in particular was, uh, I was getting a lot of feedback from uh, uh, buyers of Steinhardt who tell me, uh, this feels a bit too strong. You know? <laughs> okay, whatever. You know, so I, uh, I we rebalance that in a, in a different way. But yeah, the idea is uh, be swift, avoid blows, and but when you strike, make it hurt. That's the idea. And uh, so you have a lot of things like you can stun your enemies, you can crit them more easily, uh, particularly like the vicious finisher, which is one of my favorite. So the concept of the class uh, for the listeners, I'll make it quick and simple. The more you move around, the more you dodge enemies, the more you gain something called momentum. And at some point, you can expand that momentum to deal one big blow that hurts. And one of the classes, for example, the more momentum you accumulated, the more the hit has a chance to crit. And so basically, if you put like the max number of momentum, you crit on a roll of 10 or higher in the latest version. And uh, yeah, so you, you do like a big hit, that like a big old crit that is painful. It's very fun. I played it a ton. I'm currently actually uh, rolling a new one for a new campaign I'm doing with some friends. So yeah, no, uh, definitely very fun. But if you want more, it's uh, a lot of credit goes to Kibble Stacy because he was amazing on this. I've I've gotten so much positive feedback on the on the class from the Discord and people who bought the book in general. So I'm very happy where where it's at now. I'm just excited about the idea of in a D and D campaign, like realizing my Dark Souls fantasy <laughs> of just rolling in a circle around the bad guys, staying in the safety zone. <laughs> like ten, ten, 10 rounds of combat. Everybody else is like, are you going to hit him? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> roll, roll, roll. 
I popped up the strike, and then all of a sudden they crit me, and I'm dead. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> yeah, that's the real Soulsborne experience. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, can't touch me, can't touch me. Yeah. Remember to, oh, well. <laughs> Remember this, to stay on his butt. Stay on his butt. Yeah, <laughs> always. This, this is why most of the games I play are turn-based, because my reflexes are garbage. <laughs> I would I would encourage you to try them. They're very fun because yeah. I usually play those kind of games as well. Uh, but I make an exception for like the Soulsborne genre because it's really yeah yeah. I did uh, I did Dark Souls three on hard mode. I beat Dark Souls three finally while running on a treadmill. <laughs> That's right. Oh, okay. so, yeah. I was like on hard mode. There's no hard. No 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah, it was already hard enough. No, so it was just physical torture, and then also I was on a treadmill. <laughs> It's, why would you do that why? to yourself? <laughs> uh, so I, I need to exercise sometime, but I also I, I needed to play that game very bad. So yeah. why not both? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my first Soulsborne experience was Bloodborne. So the mm. Jaeger really gives me that vibe. Like if you, oh, yeah. yeah, if you like hunters, the idea of hunters and hunting eldritch monsters, play a Jaeger or hunting beasts. <laughs> but then again, beasts are. A bit twisted. They're not your regular bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, let, let's see. So you're using the term beast. Um, are you using the creature type beast for those, or are you just using so, like beast as in like a general term? So, it, yeah, in the first page of the book, you'll see. Uh, there's uh, I do dual monster types. I I created a role. I was like yeah, a monster with two types, uh, where basically you can affect them if if you've got an effect. That is either working, for example, let's say a beast is a beast and humanoid, because it just features like this. If an effect affects either the beast type, either the humanoid type, it can affect the beast regardless. Uh, but it cannot benefit from it twice, you know. So, for example, uh-huh. let's say we have a fiend and an undead, a pound and smite wouldn't give like 2d8 extra uh, just because of the creature type. So it can affect it once, but not twice. That's the idea. Because a lot of monsters, I was like, they're beasts. But I see the art and I'm like... Well, I mean, technically, like, and also it's, uh, and, and the reason for that is also to prevent uh, wild shapes uh, on moon druids and uh, that's what I was going to ask. Creature has to type. Yeah, you can't polymorph into it, you can't wild shape into it, because otherwise it, it would create some issues. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll stick to polymorphing into a T-Rex. I'll be fine. I, uh, yes. I do want to say I do appreciate that, because every time I get a new source book that I plan on using, um, my one of my players is just like I'm gonna check the beasts real quick, <laughs> see if I can exploit this for a druid build. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it was. Uh, well, I have exactly the same player, and uh, that's uh, one of the monsters, like a scourge lichen, which is a beast and monstrosity. And he was like, "Can I turn into that? I'm a druid." I was like, "Huh." I was like, at the moment, yes, but no. <laughs> and I'll make a rule to make sure that you all. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah. So, that was it. All right. So, for folks who might have missed the Kickstarter, where can they go get a copy right now? Uh, so, right now, if you type Steinhardt's Guide to the Eldritch Hunt, uh, you will be taken to Kickstarter. You can read the page, see if the book's for you. And then you click the button Late Pledge, and you choose whatever you want to choose, and you'll see and uh, if you choose the biggest package, you'll make me very happy. If you just want the PDF, you'll also make me very happy. Perfect. And there is a link in the show notes right now. So if you heard him say that, and it's like, I don't know how to spell half of those words. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> link, link in the show notes. Go click it. And yeah, go ahead and reserve your copy right now. So uh, what's happening next? In regards to shipping, delivery, and all those things? Yeah. 
Yeah. So right now I am finishing the GM chip book. Then we're having all the samples being printed right now. I'm getting all of this hopefully next week. Hopefully there's no mistakes in the samples, but I've talked to a lot of people who've done Kickstarters before and uh, there's going to be mistakes. So then That's I'll... <laughs> so then we're going to send it to uh, get corrected again, get the new samples. And once we're there, it's mass printing and then it's shipping. So the book is basically done, but I do want to do something uh, extra for the people who pledged. I mean, there's already like a lot of free bonuses. Like we did uh, full, uh, they're not top-down tokens. They're the POC tokens, I believe they're called. Like the, it's like art of the, um, yeah, is it, is it POG? Uh, pogs are the little discs, uh, like the standees, like the cardboard stand-up yeah. tokens. Yeah, okay, board stand-up tokens, but like that you can use on VTTs, right? Cool. We did all of those for all the monsters in the book for free. We just give that to people. Like we made an additional uh, guide of the book because the book itself is 400-something pages. Uh, it's actually close to 500. I mean, close to, sorry, close to 400. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's massive, and we wanted, a, and a lot of GM have asked me to have an option of the book only for players, so they wouldn't be spoiled on the lore if uh, GMs want to use the lore in their games, which is fair. So we make a player option of the book, not a printed one, but a PDF, we split that. So there's like character sheets, we gave like a free extra character sheet for the Yeager for everybody. We, we try to throw in a lot of bonuses just to show like thank you for all the amazing support that we received, right? And then what we want to do after that is because a lot of people are like, I love the setting, uh, which warms my heart when they say this. <laughs> I was like, hey, like the setting too. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, I'm also uh, quite fond of my own world. Yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, they asked us to uh, make the advent- an adventure basically like level one to whatever uh, for them. So I'm uh, currently working with some writers and we're going to get something like this sorted, a... Uh, First, we'll see PDF, then maybe once the full adventure is written. And basically, we're going to do one for each level. And this way, GMs will have something to follow along, which will take them in the whole setting of Luyarna and uh, let them have a lot of fun in there and kill their players. Sorry, <laughs> kill their players' character, because if they kill their players, they will go to jail. <laughs> don't listen to my advice. It's terrible advice. <laughs> yeah, we don't advocate murder here on RPG Pod. <laughs> 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 murder in game totally fine though totally fine yeah 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 out out of game a bit less so so yeah let's let's stick to in game yeah so yeah so that's uh those are the things that are in the line and then after that i don't know maybe i'll i'll uh i'll think of Steinhardt's too but that's uh you know let's finish everything i have to finish and then i'll think of other things sounds perfect all right evan well thank you so much for being with us tonight no problem. It was a, it was a pleasure. You guys are great. I uh, actually I wanted to say to Tyler, which I assume is the creative of RPG Bat. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I uh, I definitely like uh, back in the days used to a lot of your guides uh, when I was fresher to Five E because I, I came from a different system before. Moved to Five E. My first light cleric followed your guide. So oh. it was uh, <laughs> it it, uh, it kind of goes full. I'm, I'm like super happy to be on the podcast right now because I'm like oh I get to meet like the dude who helped me like get to the end. So that, that's pretty awesome. Well, well that feels great. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's uh, and then and then you write something about my subclass, and I'm like, I made it, I succeeded in life, it's fine, I can die happy now. Awesome, it's pretty great, cool, cool. All right, well, Evan, it's been great to have you. Uh, remind folks where they can find you online. So, if you type monkey DM on Instagram, on YouTube, uh, or on Google, 
or whatever <laughs> other browser you're using, you will find me. So, and it's always going to be the first link. Uh, I encourage you to subscribe to my YouTube where most of my content can be found. And you can also find me on Reddit if you want a lot of subclasses. If you want to support me, it's on Patreon, MonkeyDM. And if you want to get Steinhardt's Guide to the Eldritch Hunt, type Steinhardt's Guide to the Eldritch Hunt, which is very easy to pronounce. <laughs> and less less easy to spell so there's a link in the show notes right now you can go click it if you've enjoyed the show please rate and review us on apple podcast and rate us on spotify or your favorite podcast app it's a quick free way to support the podcast and helps us to reach new listeners you'll find links in the show notes you'll find affiliate links for source books and other materials linked in the show notes as well as on rbgbot.net following these links helps us to make this show happen every week so believe it or not, this is the first time that Kibble's Tasty has ever been brought up on this podcast. People have been asking me to cover their work for years, and somehow this is the first time it's ever come up on the pod. Kibble's uh, Tasty? Really? Kibble's Tasty, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he made a lot of great classes. The Scion is one of them. It's how I first discovered his work, I think. Uh, he made, uh, before the Artificer was you know released, he made an Artificer class. Now it's called the inventor uh he's, he's amazing like honestly he's just done a lot of great work he spends a lot of time balancing his things he's uh yeah he's great. I, i've heard and his, he's a great dude also never i've heard, heard his warlord. warlord uh i've heard his warlord for 5e is also pretty awesome and people have been wanting yeah 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 so at some point if I'll you spend a lot of time on reddit uh like subreddits uh mostly like on Arthur Khan and stuff you would have heard of him that's where he's most active but like youtube he, he doesn't exist anywhere else basically it's just reddit and uh and just from reddit i think he did like a couple of kickstarters over 300k so like wow. people are a very big fan of his yeah i yeah, know yeah, he, he's uh, he's doing fine for himself he's just he's not very good at marketing let's say <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't hard. you know he doesn't want to use like it's in a way, I get it because, like, I think he wants to remain faceless, so like, he doesn't want to use YouTube, he doesn't want to use like a lot of uh, channels, which I get, I really do. Um, so he's just taking to Reddit, that's what he likes, and he makes enough from it, I think, uh, to not have a day job. If, nice. I might be wrong on this one, but yeah, <laughs> no, no, so yeah. Break them. If he's having a good time, he's happy, and he makes great content. It's awesome. <laughs>